You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 311. In this episode, I talk to Teresa Lowe about how to build an effective team. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. On today's episode, I speak with Teresa Lowe, who's a team building and digital marketing coach for online entrepreneurs. She helps visionaries find, grow, and lead their executive teams. She also trains integrators for seven-figure digital business owners who are ready to scale their business. Before we dive in, I want to share a review from Apple Podcasts from Lena. Lena says, my absolute favorite podcast show and female online business entrepreneur role model. I have learned so much from Sigrun and she inspires me deeply with her own story and all that she shares so generously with great passion, expertise and top-notch teaching that I just can't find anywhere else. I have already implemented many of my learnings from her podcast with great success. Forever grateful, listen to her podcast too and get inspired to take your business to the next level. Lena, thank you so much and if you are listening, send us an email so you can receive your thank you gift. If you want to receive a thank you gift too, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And even if you are not interested in a thank you gift, a review is the most helpful way for others to find the podcast. So I'm looking forward to reading yours here on the show. Go to signal.com forward slash 311 and you, there you will find links to Teresa Lowe and the show notes of this episode. I am so excited to be here with Teresa Lowe to talk about what is an integrator, how to hire a team, and also her journey from pivoting from one business to another. Thank you for coming on the show, Teresa. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So we met in James Wetmore Mastermind. I've been bringing on many people from his mastermind because I love to bring on people that I know. So I already know your story and I know that you can bring a lot of value to my audience. So I am so excited that we finally made it to this place. I think we've been trying for a while and now we're here, but maybe, maybe it was a good idea. It took a time because you have kind of gone through a bit of a shift. So if we, if we go back several years, like what were you doing before you became an entrepreneur? So I originally was a co-executive TV producer for a major gardening series here in America that was on PBS, which is a major station here. And so I did that for nine years. And as the co-executive TV producer, I was running the show for the visionary of the show. And I was also appearing on the show and I started to get a following. So I started my own business, which was in the very unusual niche of organic gardening and preserving food, making artisan food crafts. 
So that's how I started my entrepreneurial journey was I was teaching people how to live farm fresh without a farm. And I left the show and my business took off. But I was also getting a lot of people who were in my industry of food and gardening who wanted to start their own business as well. So I immediately was started coaching other people who were wonderful authors or bloggers who had huge followings, but were not making any money from their business. And they saw me making money from my business. And they always thought, well, you can't make money in gardening and food, but you actually can if you know what you're doing. And so I started coaching other people to do what I was doing. And how long did you do that? You know, the gardening piece, like when did you start that? About four years ago. So I've been doing that for four years. Yeah. And how were you able to make money when others are not? The marketing piece, like the whole learning, everything that you teach is so, so important. Understanding your customer, getting the proper offer out there. I knew my customer really well, and there were some things that they wanted to learn and they couldn't find an authority figure who they completely trusted. And so I turned myself into that authority figure. I started from nothing and I created courses and a membership. And I started uh, teaching people how to live the lifestyle that I was living. And it just exploded very, very quickly. It was just a matter of having the right marketing message. I do have a few listeners, maybe more than a few, that are in the more of the artistic author space, creativity. And, you know, there's this common theme of starving artists. You know, somebody writes a book with no following and they wonder how to monetize it. So... You say, yeah, having a following, that helps you for sure. Mm -hmm. And then having offers beyond a book or a podcast. Yes, exactly. So I also have a podcast and it is focused completely on food and gardening. And I was bringing on authors and they were struggling authors and they were so talented and had incredible books that they published, but they weren't making any money from their books. So what I started talking to them about after the show and then eventually started coaching people to do is to turn that book into a course or a membership. Because if you have a following, people want to have more access to you. They buy the book. Now they want to learn directly from you. And yes, when you're going into food or you're going into gardening, you can't be charging typically big money like we do in business courses or business memberships. However, you can definitely get the volume. So you can charge less for your membership or for your courses, but you sell a lot more because you can have a much bigger following. It's just a matter of working the numbers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all the numbers came at the end. I love my Excel sheets to figure out and help people how they're actually going to build a business. So, okay, so you immediately from the beginning, we're almost doing both things side by side. So did you realize you were running two businesses? Yes, I very quickly realized I was running two businesses. And so I started building a team. And in my last year where you and I were in the membership together, my team was running my garden food website and my garden food business. And I was fully immersed in the coaching part. And I started doing programs around coaching, group coaching programs. And that so quickly took off because there was no one in my niche teaching what I was teaching. So yes, I was doing both, but I built a team to run one of my businesses for me. What do you say to someone? Because I get this question every single week. Can someone start with two businesses? Do you 
advice that? I don't <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> no. I did it because I was afraid to give up on what I had started. I was second guessing myself and I was thinking, am I really starting something else because I was being flaky or maybe I was in fear of making my other business grow. But it turned out as I really spent some time thinking about it, I was realizing what a bigger impact I was having on people by helping them turn their dreams into a viable business. And yes, it's lovely to teach someone how to make sourdough bread or how to make yogurt or grow a garden. But when I was helping people turn their dreams into a viable business, I was changing their life. And that became so much more important to me to help people change their lives. And they'd worked so hard to create their books or their following and to show them how they could make money doing that was a total game changer for me. It was very fun to wake up in the morning and, and get responses from people when they had launched their membership or launched their program. I realized that was really where I was supposed to be. Yeah. But basically out of all of this emerged a third business. <laughs> yes. Well, what really happened was I started merging my coaching into building a team. Because so many people would take off quickly like I did, they immediately needed a team. So my coaching clients and my group coaching people were asking for how do you build a team? How do you find someone to bring on? How do you get the perfect match? Because they were trying to hire people, but it was just a disaster from the beginning. They weren't finding the right people for the right seats. The personalities weren't right, or they were spending too much on someone who was just not a good fit. So I started getting inundated from my own clients and customers on that. So I started incorporating that immediately into my coaching. And very quickly, you, you are correct that some people through the grapevine without me even advertising that I was doing this were coming to me in droves for this kind of help. And I realized that this was another area that really wasn't tapped into in my particular area that people didn't know how to build a team. Yeah. I think this was your third business and that's the one you're focusing on right now, the team building aspect of it. Yes, absolutely. And you help uh, entrepreneurs find their integrator Uh, and we're going to dive into what is an integrator and how do you find one. But it also starts with the first hire. Like when is the time to hire that first person? I tell people to try and hire their very first person as soon as possible. And it's going to be before they think they're ready for it because they feel like, well, I can't afford to hire help. Therefore, I have to do it all. But the problem is because they're doing it all, they aren't going to be able to grow. So even if they can just hire in the beginning stage, someone for just a few hours a week, they can take those hours. And I say to them, don't use those hours for something you shouldn't be doing. Use those hours for money making activities so that you can then increase the hours of the person that you're bringing on. And you can much faster, you can scale that way if you are bringing someone in to free you up to make more money. But what typically people do is they bring someone on and they free up a couple of hours and they end up doing something else that they should be hiring out and, you know, like maybe design one of their landing pages or doing customer service. And that's really not the purpose of bringing someone on. It's not so that you can have someone do that so that you can do more of what you shouldn't be doing. It's so that you can focus on the activities that make you money so that you can grow much faster. Mm. I hired the first person around the time that you're describing where I didn't really feel I could afford it. I was earning maybe 2,000, 3,000 a month. 
or even less. And I was doing weekly webinars and I calculated the time it took me. Then it was, you couldn't just go on Zoom like we do today and all that stuff. So you had to set up with Webinar Jam and connect to lead pages, all that. It was five hours. Wow. Setting up the webinar, emailing out to the list, sending out the replay, all those things. And I was like, I need to document this. And I did. This was the first process I wrote down and I hired someone to do it. And I had to teach her. She didn't know how to do it either, but I was paying her $20 an hour and she did what I told her to do, followed the process and I could focus on other things in my business. Yeah. And five hours is a lot. That's a lot of time that you could be doing something else. For me, it was my podcast because my podcast was very involved. So that was the first thing I did is hired someone to run my podcast for me. So, yeah. So you talked about just before we hit the record button that, yes, at some point it comes time to hire a more of a senior person, project manager, someone that can basically run the business for you. We call it in the corporate world, a COO, but in the entrepreneurial space, the term integrator has come up. So what is an integrator? So an integrator uh, is someone who is like your wingman. You are the visionary and you have your ideas and your vision and the integrator makes it happen. When I was working as the co-executive TV producer, I was the integrator. And I realized that as I started learning about visionary integrator and that relationship, I was like, ah, that's what I was doing. And I actually have that sort of brain or the way I think is as an integrator. So I was trying to do that in my business, be the visionary and the integrator at the same time. And it wasn't working because I was stretched way too thin. So as the owner, I had to fully step into being just the CEO and the visionary and hire someone in to be my integrator for me. And that involves, you know, letting go and letting them take care of all the details so that you can just focus on your area of genius. That must be interesting and kind of difficult when you are such an integrator yourself. Yes, yes. And I've talked to many other CEOs who have the integrator personality as well. It is more difficult. The part that you have to, I think for us, when you have that sort of brain that you are actually an operational manager or operational leader naturally is to give up control. That was the hardest thing for me, but I had to just set up really good systems and have a good communication with my integrator so that I could feel comfortable giving up control. Mm, I feel you're speaking to me because I see myself as a visionary, like I have big, big vision, like I want to change the world and accelerate gender equality through female entrepreneurship. So, you know, I'm planning my conference, but at the same time, I can look at the details in my accounting and see, you know, a little tiny comma is missing or something. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> yes. that's not good for me. No, it's not. And so what I tell people is it's really important for us to have in our businesses to have three different types of leaders. And when we're in the online space, I feel three different types of leaders are important. So we have the visionary leader and they have the vision. They're like the lighthouse in the distance. They're the ones who are setting the stage for the path that we're going to go on. And then you have an operational leader. That is your integrator or your COO. And they are keeping a light on the path right in front of the rest of the team. So we have the vision, we have the light in the distance. They are just lighting the way to make sure everyone's staying on that path. And then you have the tactical leaders. 
that is everyone else on your team. Those are the people who just are looking at the next steps in front of them, following the path that the integrator is carrying you on to make sure that we're all headed in the same direction. And so to me, it's important to have all three of those type of leaders. And I feel I say the word leader because we're trying to create a self-managed team. We aren't going to hire people on and then manage them. We want them to manage themselves so that we can just be the visionary. So that's why it's really important that each person kind of understands their role in heading towards that vision that us as the CEO have created. So when you make your first hire, how important is to know all of this? I think it's important right out of the gate. Like if you can start with setting the foundation for having the first person that you bring in, whatever that position is, that they understand your vision and where you're headed. And you just start laying the groundwork as you bring more and more people in. You're setting down the foundation right from the beginning. And it's so much easier than what we typically do, which is we're winging it, right? We're doing all the things and we hire someone just for the skills and we divvy out tasks. We just say, oh, do this PDF or do this over here but we aren't giving them any responsibility. The responsibility is still on us. And so we really have to shift our thinking right out of the gate to we are not handing out tasks. We are handing out the responsibilities because that person is going to be self-managed. They're going to be leading themselves along the path that we're setting. So right from the beginning, I think it's important to have this mentality. So what would be the type of shift, let's say, because I totally see it, I would have worked with all my virtual assistants task-based, like this needs to be done, this needs to be done. So shifting from that to, let's say, goals of how would you do that for, especially your first hire, that sounds like a little bit trickier. Yeah. So for your very first hire, I think it's uh, communication absolutely is important and you want to have your goals I think where people get stuck is that when I say share vision, they think, well, that's my mission statement for the company. And that's absolutely important. You want whoever you bring in, you want them to have the same core values that you have. You want them to uh, share your vision or your mission statement for the company. But it's also important that they understand where the work that they are doing is in relation to the goal for the year. So I tell people to have a goal for the year that you share. And it doesn't, if you don't feel comfortable sharing your financial goal, I think what's most important is that you have an impact goal. How many people do you want to impact? Or what is the vision that you're trying to create by the end of the year? You know, so they have a number or a vision of the impact that they're making in their head. So for example, if you wanted to, impact X number of entrepreneurs by the end of the year, how many are you going to impact in that first quarter? And that's what everyone's working towards. Like they can like, we're going to hit a hundred. So we've already hit 30. We got 20 more people signed up in the membership. All right, now we're at 50. And that having that where everyone understands that smaller broken down piece, and they're all headed in that direction, it gives them a sense of purpose. And so even if you only have one person, if they understand that you're trying to get 100 people in your membership, every step they take, they don't have to ask you, well, do you need a blue button or a green button for this? Because they know that part isn't as important as getting those 100 people in the membership. So that's why I say it's so important to share the vision. Um, Simon Sinek 
did a TED talk and he was uh, not his why. I'm not talking about his why talk, but I've heard so many speeches by him and he talks a lot about leadership and vision. And he said that they did an experiment where they brought someone into a room and they, it was an empty room and they said, I want you to walk in a straight line to the far corner over there and you can't make any turns, just walk in a straight line. So the person started walking and they put a chair in front of them and they just walked around the chair and kept walking to that corner. And it's because in their head, even though they made a turn, they knew their destination was to get to the corner. They took another group of people and they would bring them into the same room and they would just say, walk in a straight line, but didn't tell them where to go. When they started walking, if they put a chair in front of them, they stopped because all they knew was they were supposed to walk in a straight line. They didn't know where they were headed. So if they have a vision, they can make the decision on their own to go around the chair because they know the ultimate goal is to get to that far corner in a straight line. So it really that when he said that, it was like, oh, that's so smart. Because if everyone understands what they're doing in relation to what that goal is for the quarter, they can make so many of their own decisions. And that takes the burden of the decision making off of us they are making so many of those decisions. And yes, you need to have processes in place. And yes, if they're going to work to where they're making those decisions. You, you don't want to hand someone the most important decisions right off the bat when they don't know what they're doing. But it's, that's the goal is to get them confident and capable so that you have trust in the decisions that they're making. Mm. So let's say you have hired your first member and maybe you start to hire more people on your team and suddenly you realize, this is not really working as smoothly as I thought it could be. When is it time to hire the integrator? I feel that once you have a couple of people on your team, that is when you need to hire the integrator. But more importantly, it's when you find yourself still overlooking all of their work and that's taking too much of your time. So I tell people to have some sort of a project management software so that the team is there and you can quickly just at a glance see what everybody's working on at any given moment. But if that is starting to overtake you where you're like, you're watching all the deadlines, you're checking, did they turn in this? Did they turn in that? That's management. You don't want to be managing. You want to be the visionary. So that is absolutely when you need to bring someone in, an integrator, or uh, you could call them a chief project manager, someone who is going to watch over all the moving pieces so that you are not watching over. So once you have a couple of people, that's when that, that shift starts to happen. That's really the scaling stage. That's when you are going from just a beginner, you're just you and maybe a VA or two, and things start to take off. And now the projects are starting to happen. They're starting to run themselves. And you need that person watching over. That's really when you want to bring in the integrator and get that all set up. And that is so that you can scale and get to the impactful stage. That's where everybody is their own leader. It's a growth that has to happen from the scaling stage to the impactful stage and where everyone is taking care of their own projects and the integrator is watching over everything so that you are kind of filtered out of it and you can stay in your zone of genius and just be doing, serving your customers, creating your content that only you can create. Mm. So I read the book Rocket Fuel, and that's where I also learned about the vision of the integrator probably two, three years ago. But I guess there's more 
to it in terms of finding this person. There must be this perfect match between the visionary integrator. You can't just hire a very capable project manager. It has to be, it's almost like uh, your twin or your, you know, it's like a, a spouse, really. Yeah, that's business. how I describe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely it's like a marriage. What I tell people you really need to do is you first have to learn yourself. And that means uh, taking some personality tests like Myers-Briggs or DISC and get a feel for how you tick. How do you think? How do you work? And then the integrator really has to be a perfect match. And it is like finding a spouse or, you know, like going to a matchmaker to try and find that. But if you understand yourself, then you want to find someone who complements the way you work. So for example, if when you do your, your testing, you are introverted, I recommend that you find a integrator who's extroverted so that you have a balance. You don't want to find someone who is exactly like you. You want to find someone who can balance things that you might be lacking. And that makes it mesh better. It's like opposites attract. And when you look at some of the testing on the DISC test, it's D-I-S-C. And each one of those letters stand for a personality trait or characteristics. And S stands for stable. For integrators, you absolutely want them to have a very high S. You want them to be stable. You don't want them to be super spontaneous flying around doing things that would it would make you uncomfortable. Uh, they can be anywhere from a mid to a high S, and that brings stability to everything that's going on. And typically, people who apply for these type of jobs, they typically are very high S's. And some of the other things that you want to look at are if they are in the Myers-Briggs, I recommend that the last letter be a J, and that is that more of a judger. The reason is that if they are a P, they are a little bit, again, more spontaneous. They're very creative. P's are very, very creative, but they're not as stable making uh, some of the tough decisions. So letters like that can make a big difference. But what is most important is that you first assess yourself and see if there's any place that you're like, oh, for an entrepreneur, I really should have maybe more of an extroverted personality and I'm introverted. It would be a nice balance to have someone who's a little more extroverted as my integrator so that you can play off of each other. Mm. I did have the perfect integrator in 2004. So when I read the book, Rocket Fuel, I was like, hey, I've done this. <laughs> this is not new to me. Uh, they were talking about Disney and how the CEO of Disney had like his integrator. And you, nor you normally don't hear about the integrator. They're more like in the background. But uh, in the best businesses, there are typically two people. And yes, sometimes they're called CEO or something. They're not called integrator. But yeah, so my sister was my integrator. And I think what was so helpful is, you know, we had the same values and beliefs about like life and business and how you should treat people and, and, you know, big decisions, right or wrong, but we're absolute opposites. I'm an extrovert, she's an introvert. I am the tough love person <laughs> and she's like the motherly type. She would take care of the people in the business. 
Yes. And I would go out and speak at conferences and get the clients. So it was like the perfect match of a visionary and integrator. That's so interesting, too, because as you mentioned with Disney, it was his brother who was his integrator. Yeah. So and people didn't even realize that his brother was doing that, but it was a perfect match for them, too. And part of that is because you guys know each other so well. But you hit on something that's really important that I didn't mention, and that is the core values. And we we mentioned it at the beginning, but it's so important that everyone you bring on your team match your core values. And you've probably experienced it where you've hired someone in and they're not fitting with the rest of the team. And it's typically because there's a core value that they are lacking that is important to you. So one of the first things that everyone should do if they're planning on hiring anyone, even one VA, is to figure out what are the five, maybe six things that are super important to them as a core value. And by core values, I mean integrity. Like for me, integrity is one of my top. Also, responsibleness is very important to me. Being a resourceful thinker and looking for if they come up against a roadblock, I want them to be able to come up with their be their own problem solver. So those kind of things, those characteristics are the core values that you want to have your team have. And when people are going, well, I don't know what my core values would be, Think back to someone that maybe you worked with or that you knew that you just thought was the most perfect person to work with. You really enjoyed working with them. You had a great rapport or you really liked the way they got things done and describe what would be the characteristics you would give that person. And typically those are the characteristics that you're looking for in a team member because they resonated with you, you loved working with that person. And so if they were very resourceful or they always took initiative, those are the types of core values that you would want to have for your team. And when someone doesn't fit, if you look at each one of those core values and you'd say, well, do they have integrity? Do they say they're gonna do something and follow through? Are they very resourceful? And you're like, oh, you know what? They're not very resourceful. They come across a problem and they get stuck. They ask everyone else for help. So that's where you're like, aha, that's where they're not fitting. So when you hire someone, you always want to look to see if they have those core values, whether it's for an integrator or any other position, because you're trying to build this awesome A-list stellar team. And if every single person on there has the same core values as you, the team just meshes together really, really well. But I still, I find that so interesting that it was your sister because that's exactly what the situation was with Disney. So that's that's perfect. And I didn't even know that. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Also coming back to uh, 2004 when I was running a a software company and uh, I would also say the people that kind of annoyed me a little bit or irritated me, I I can see where the core values did not match. Like you say, showing initiative or just coming up with ideas to look at. I hired once a, a guy that should do some sales and I felt I constantly had to come up with like, hey, you could, you know, list the largest hundred companies in Iceland and you should just, you could just call them. And I'm like, why didn't he come up with that? <laughs> you know, that's like <laughs> obvious to me, uh, but I'm not the salesperson he was supposed to be. And I was like, right. oh, you need to have show some initiative. Yes. So showing initiative is probably one of your core values that would be important for someone to have. They're going to be on your team. So it, that's perfect example. Yes. 
Yes. So how would you search for integrator? Because obviously the world does not know this word. And let's say I just put out an ad on Indeed or LinkedIn. Nobody's going to respond to integrators. So no. what is going to work there? So yeah, I don't even use that word when I'm hiring. What I recommend is that people bring someone on as an executive assistant, because you first have to test out to make sure that even if they've they seem to have all the core values and they seem to be a perfect fit. You want to have some time working together before you start handing off some of these bigger projects or bigger responsibilities. So I like to bring someone in as an executive assistant. They'll be working very closely with you and you will very immediately be able to tell within just a few weeks if you're heading in the right direction or not. And if you're not, then you can let them go or put them in a different position if they seem to be more suited for something else. But I tell people to hire for an executive assistant and I have them put the applicants, people who are applying, have to go through what I call a gauntlet or a series of tests before we bring them in the door. So that includes that they have to take a Myers-Briggs test. I have them take a DISC test so I can immediately see if they are kind of fitting the the parameters that we're looking for that will match the CEO. And then they need to be, you know, we look at the core values. What are some of those core values that are important? Or what are some of the characteristics that would be important? And those would include things like uh, being a detail-oriented person, uh, being resourceful. So we create tests that they have to do where they have to, we see if they catch the details. Did they catch the misspellings? Like we'll have them maybe uh, have to create a process from a video or have to create a PDF from a document. And we look to see, did they catch some of the mistakes? Did they, we don't tell them how to do everything in the process. Did they figure it out? Did they take it upon themselves to go watch videos on YouTube to figure out how to do it? Did they take these initiatives to be able to complete the task in order to get to the interview? So once someone gets to the interview stage, they have already taken the personality tests and they've already passed one or two tests to see if they're detail-oriented and everything else. Then the CEO can interview them and that's where it starts to, you can tell from a Zoom call where you're both on camera and you can see if you have a rapport with this person. And what typically happens when someone does it this way where someone has to kind of go through a gauntlet to get to the end, they usually end up with several really good candidates and they end up hiring an integrator and another position that they had because they found so many great people, they don't want to let them go. And people have to jump through some hoops or get to the end. You want to make sure that they want it. They have to really want it. And they'll jump through those hoops if they really want it. And if the hoops that they're jumping through are testing the exact core values that we're looking for or the characteristics that we're looking for, then when they get to the end, they end up being a very close match. And then it's usually the hard decision of which one will I hire because I have two or three really good ones. Well, I love this. It's almost like we have coordinated this because we're recording this on my last day. I've been looking for a month for an executive assistant. <laughs> That's funny. Perfect. So funny. This is coordinated. Yes. It's like we agreed all of this up front. No, we didn't. Following your process. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a executive assistant. So obviously when this interview is aired, uh, the search has been over. I did the Myers-Briggs as a part of the application. Uh, so they just go to a link and they have to submit a video. And it's so interesting how many skip 
you know, the video. And I don't tell them how to include the video. I just said, you know, please submit the video. Or I even changed the language to please link to a video because I thought I'll make it a little bit more clear. That did not change anything. They email me. Uh, they, they send a message on Facebook or LinkedIn with the video. And uh, we just write back and said, no, that's not how it works. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's so perfect. And, and it really surprised me when I first started doing this as well, how many people either would skip one of the steps or completely did it incorrectly. Uh, like one of the things I tell people to do is when they reply, they have to have a very specific wording in the subject line. And if they don't do that, they say something different in the subject line. I don't even look at their application because they're not following instructions. That is really funny that they did that. Uh, Ryan Levesque, who is another entrepreneur that we follow and has written the book Ask and has the Ask method, he makes people when they fill out their application, there's uh, something that they have to turn in and he tells them that it has to be faxed. Well, nobody uses fax anymore, right? And he specifically did that because he wants to see how resourceful they were. And so people would go down to, you know, like a shipping uh, here in America, you know, like a shipping place and find a fax and be able to fax it in. And that's, they had to like get out of their house and go do it. And that was why he did it was to see, a lot of people said, why I can't fax it. So I'm just going to email it. And he's like, nope. I want it faxed and here's the fax number. And so only the people who actually did the faxing got through. And that was why he did set up a test, something that was really hard to figure out what to do. So you did that perfectly. That was great. Oh, I love that. I love that. We could go on forever. Um, so basically executive assistant, that sounds brilliant since I'm doing it anyway. But once you realize that a person has the potential to be an integrator, do you then approach them and kind of, uh, you know, or do they have to kind of constantly grab more, uh, responsibility themselves? How, how do you make that transition? Typically, uh, the person will automatically on their own start asking for more and more. I do take the time to start explaining to them what an integrator is because they may, a lot of times they're coming in, they do not understand our digital world at all. So I start having conversations with them about integrators and what they do. And at the same time, I take my people and I run them through every single process in my business. So that's another kind of test I put my integrator through. She had to do every job that I had, every big job, not the little jobs, but like she had to run a podcast episode for me without knowing anything about podcasting. She just followed the process. And that way, if she's managing the person who is podcasting, doing the podcasting later, she understands that there's a bottleneck. So as I'm running them through that, we start having conversations about what an integrator is. And if they seem to be the perfect fit and they're wanting more and they're asking for more responsibility, you want them to be taking the responsibility, not promoting them and then having them figure it out. You want them to be grabbing for it, reaching for it. And if they're not reaching for it, maybe they're just the perfect executive assistant and you have to find someone else to move up in that position. But you want to first have them understand that that position is something that is there because they wouldn't even realize. They just only see, oh, well, I'm the executive assistant. But if they're reaching for more and asking for more responsibility, they are anticipating where you need help 
that's a really good sign. Like before I even say, you know, it might be a great idea if we do this. And they're like, ah, I already did it. I thought of that last week. That's a really good sign that they are thinking ahead. They're starting to understand the big picture of what you need and they're taking things off your plate. Yeah. Then they're, you're heading in the right direction for sure. I love that, Teresa. We could go on forever about this subject. It's a fascinating subject, but I've just loved how far we've gotten from the first hire to promoting, not promoting, but allowing a person to become the integrator. And from there on, I, I'm sure there are other things to discuss, but maybe we'll just come back on the show. Oh, I'd love to. That would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show and sharing everything with us. Uh, how do people find you online, Teresa? Probably the best way is to go to teamuproadmap.com. And there I have an assessment for them where they can see what type of roles or positions they might want to be hiring for. It's a little checklist that they can download. So that's probably the best place to start. Perfect. We'll link that up in the show notes. Thank you for coming on the show, Teresa. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Go to sigma.com forward slash 311 and there you'll find links to Teresa Lowe and show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And follow me on Instagram. My handle is sigruncom. And share a screenshot of you listening to this episode with the hashtag Sigrun Show. I'll see you in the next episode.